This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. Why am I speaking in this register again? Dan Hansis in the garage with my bosom buddy, Bob Castrone. What's up, Bobby? Oh, man. It's been like forever since we've done this. It, it, has, it has. We yeah. yeah, pulling back the curtain that we taped a bunch of shows and we had a we had a nice little a stack of shows and then some a holiday came. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the stack of show is gone. And here we are on a like, Tuesday night. Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck. I have to record this fucking podcast tonight. <laughs> that makes me feel great. <laughs> I feel like I take that personally. We did spend um, Thanksgiving together. We did. Yep. You're, you, you know what's funny about our Thanksgiving is that it actually ran through my mind right before you left for the emergency room. Yeah. Like an hour before that. Uh, it ran through my mind how the a day like that and a night like that when we have four boys in the house, one through six, um, I have the youngest, Bob has the oldest, and then everything was going fine. It was it was actually probably the best Thanksgiving we've had in years. And then what happened, Bob? And then in in an instant, my youngest, my two year old, uh, climbing up next to me on the uh the table put his hand on a i think a placemat that slid chin went into the table mm. tooth went through his lower lip oh and gosh. we ended up at the emergency room and little nicholas got three stitches yeah poor little guy he was pretty tough though because obviously when it first happened he was crying but, yeah, yeah, I got. I talked to him about that. It's not gonna yeah. happen next time. Like no crying. Like yeah. that's a little. He's like, I mean, son, you've on. already disappointed me by ruining Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, but you better not cry ever again. Daddy had a healthy buzz going <laughs> when that happened. Like, well, bring it wife down. had to drive to the emergency room because daddy wasn't. Mm. Yeah. So the the upshot and the happy ending is that everything went well uh, in terms of closing the little guy up and everything. Uh, but it did. Bring a premature end to Thanksgiving night uh, here at the uh, Hansen House. I was ready to get seconds. I didn't even get seconds. I was about to get seconds. Probably for the best, though, you know? You want to watch the cows here as the holiday season approaches. Well, no, but I'm annoyed because I went kind of light on the turkey round one because I didn't want to, like, overdo it. You know, because, like, when you're grabbing the turkey first, you got to kind of care about the other people. Mm-hmm. I went a little light on the turkey, figured I would make up for it round two. Never got a round two. Is this the Fat Guys podcast? Fat Guy podcast. <laughs> fat Guy with kids in the ER podcast. Hi, we're two fat guys talking turkey <laughs> strategy on Thanksgiving. Should have got more turkey. <laughs> I wanted more turkey. Uh, yes, as you can tell from the title of the show, it is REM Day on the Throwback Podcast. I'm very excited. One of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, and we'll be talking about a Mount Rushmore album, I think, for yeah. Danny. Automatic for the people. Yeah, this is one that, you know, we we tweeted out this week that, you know, we didn't know what we were going to do. Got a lot of great suggestions. A couple of really bad ones. What were some of the bad ones? I mean, we're not going to do Pink Floyd unless somebody comes and, you know, brings Pink Floyd and makes us do it with them. Or, or like holds a gun to our temples. <laughs> yeah, holds a for gun. an hour and 15 minutes. Um, so sorry to whoever tweeted that to us. Uh, I have no connection to Tears for Fears. Mm. Do you? 
I do. I have absolutely no connection to the band <laughs> Tears for Fears. So there's like a couple that I can't see us ever doing. And and I can, I get it. Don't take this the wrong way. Uh, but it's happened before, and I think it's because we speak positively of the County Crows on this podcast. If one more fucking person suggests Matchbox 20, <laughs> I will deliver a go fuck yourself that will bring down the U.S. government. Because you would think that we're down with Matchbox 20, but we don't like them. We never have. Bring down the U.S. government might not be that bad. It will, it will be a go fuck yourself that breaks California off into the sea. I, I feel like this is probably confusing for people because yeah. we literally like every band that sounds like Matchbox 20, but we don't like Matchbox 20. No, we don't, Bob. Uh, I have a major problem with Rob Thomas personally. Rob Thomas almost got me fired from a job at VH1. Cause Why? I, What's that piece of shit do? Because I made fun of him. I, I, I was blogging for Best Week Ever, and I just had – oh, no, it was like VH1.com, and I had a little like Rob Thomas Matchbox 20 joke. And uh, Rob Thomas and his people called VH1 and was like, get rid of this. And I had like a meeting. Robbie. Yeah. Came down hard. All right. Well, that's the most you'll ever hear about Rob Thomas. <laughs> Thin-skinned Rob Thomas and the rest of the Matchbox 20 crew. Yes, this is REM night. Very excited. Yes. Uh, and I, since I know this album so well, Bob, I can immediately tell you that this album was released in 1992. Correct. Um, which as we've talked about on the show before actually predates when I got into music. I didn't really get into music until like 94 around there, like mm -hmm. late 93. But this one is an album I found in the mid nineties. Um, when in 1994, Bob, and what was happening in 1992, excuse Two. me, yep. when automatic for the people was released by REM. Well, this album came out in October 1992, just a few weeks before Bill Clinton would become our president. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Slick Willie. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> uh, so what happened that month? Wait, let me do my Bill Clinton. Oh, here we go. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. It's pretty good, I thought. I don't know what that was. That was a bit of everything. That was literally an hey. impression of every impression. Hey, I didn't bang her. I think you're doing the Bob Dole hand <laughs> while you're doing it, too. So that's even more people at home hey. don't get that. Clean that dress, all right? It's pretty good. <laughs> I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the worst. Uh, it's not as good as your uh, Pacey from Dawson's Creek. That was always your best impression. Dawson, Dawson, Dawson. Yeah, see, it's, I feel like I'm there. My favorite, it makes me think of uh, the late Phil Hartman. Uh, one of my favorite 90s SNL sketches was during Bill Clinton's um, uh, first, you know, the first time he was running for president. And... He was like a fast food junkie early. Like that was one of the things he was known for. Yep. So Phil Hartman <laughs> runs into, goes for a jog with the secret service into a McDonald's and is like explaining his policy to all the people and just like eating all their food off yeah, their plate. I remember that one. Phil Hartman. RIP Phil. What else? Well, oh wow. Perfect segue. Sinead O'Connor ripped up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live that month. How about that? How about that? Yeah. If she did that today, would it be... A bigger story or le a lesser story or the same level of story? It was such it was a massive, massive story. It would be, I feel like the news cycle now, it would be a bigger story for like three days and then we would move on. Yeah, she like, it ended it, her that, career. Yeah, basically. that like went on for a while. Yeah, that was a big deal. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. It's, uh, it's a shame because I feel like she had a lot more uh, Prince covers in her. 
Oh, look at you. What? Look at that you taking a- her down with a backhanded compliment. On October 11th, Deion Sanders, your your coworker. Yeah, uh, that's be- the that's technically correct. Became the first player in uh history to play two sports in one day. He suited up for the Atlanta Falcons and then that night for the Braves. That's like calling like Beyoncé and you, Bob, like co-workers well we kind of we did were, that thing once we were, best we were. do you want me to pull it up again i haven't played that in a couple i know weeks. you already have it like very always like <laughs> one click ready. away it's always ready yeah dion um i've never spoken to dion we've worked at the same company for six years i've never even seen him really which is pretty insane considering it's not a huge campus but i can tell you that dion has his own room uh at nfl network that only dion has an access key card to and it's completely decorated uh, on every wall with all Dion stuff, that which makes is kind of interesting. A lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about this, because I don't remember this. You know, we were 12 years old when this happened, but um, he played for the Falcons that day. It was a Sunday, obviously. And then that night, he no, had, we're still talking about this. Yeah. That night he had a playoff game. So he was suited up, but he was not put into the lineup. He didn't play. He did not play. So he is a technical oh, for the Braves for the Braves yes. that night. Yeah. Do you want to keep talking about it? I, can't, no. I got more. That's all I got. Okay. I got enough, Dion. Uh, Madonna was all over the place that month. The erotica video came out on MTV and her sex book came out. Where did you um, come down on Madonna? Like, I always found her to be extremely hot, which not everyone kind of subscribed to, even though that was what she relentlessly was attempting to tell you in the right. 90s. She was like, I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm hot. I still found her very attractive, uh, but not everyone agrees with that. I mean, assertion. she's obviously attractive. I don't think you could argue that she's attractive. I don't think I was ever like into her. Yeah. In in like a she's hot way. I remember when I was in kindergarten, um, a kid asked me who I wanted my parents to be, like if I could pick anybody to be my parents, and I said Madonna and Michael Jackson. <laughs> really? So I feel like <laughs> I have only one re- memory of a kindergarten. It was the uh, Challenger exploding. Okay. True story. True story. That's all I got. Yours is like kind of a happier, fun '80s memory than mine. I mean, it's it's happier because they weren't my parents. My life, I'd be way more fucked up if they were. Yeah. Yours is like the material girl and the gloved one, the moonwalker. My parents. Mine's like the greatest tragedy in aerospace <laughs> travel history. Uh, I'm not gonna like add to that. Uh, also, that month, uh, a couple of celebrity birthdays: Bryce Harper and Cardi B were born. Mm-hmm. I know Bryce Harper, obviously famous baseball player. Cardi B is is gotten really famous. But so I, famous as a thirty seven year old uh, dad. No idea. What I she have is. not come around to knowing what's going nope. on there, or if she's. I think she's a singer. She is a singer. No, I know that. I follow her on Instagram, but I still don't know exactly. Why what... do you, you old perv? Why are you following her on Instagram? What do you got going on over there? She has like twelve million followers on Instagram. That's yeah, but why you? Because I'm you? one of the perverts. Such a gross sound. <laughs> I've heard you do that for years, but it's grosser with the headphones on. Why, honestly, why would you? Um, because I'm a 37 year old trying to at least know what's happening in the world. You don't know if your job, in a way, is a Hollywood writer. Sure. Okay, that that covers it. No, me. I feel don't like worry. it was one of those things you. where her name it's was out secret. there. Her name was out there enough where I, f- I was finally like, all right, I have to find out who this person is. But I'm still like, I haven't done enough research. Are we? Are we? We're all good, right? There's a lot of. Um, Nobody's listening. Stuff going on in Hollywood right now, and we are in Los Angeles. We haven't yeah. done or said anything on this pod that's going to bring down our careers yet, right? You and I? Yeah. 
No. Are not. we okay right now? Yeah, I, I take just all that, checking. I take all that stuff out before we post these. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, so we're okay, safe. Good. Um, movies that came out that month. Great month for movies. Okay. Under Siege, one of your favorites. I know. Oh yes, the the one true blockbuster of Steven Seagal's career, Under Siege, which was Die Hard on a um, uh, you know, a military ship. Yep. Excellent. Reservoir Dogs, The Mighty Ducks, Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball, Another what favorite. a piece of shit. I liked it. And get ready for this movie. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. <laughs> you think I'm fucking with you? Oops. I am not fucking with you. It's my spirit al- uh, animal, Alec Baldwin. In Glengarry, uh, Glengarry Ross, Glengarry Glen Ross, Glen Ross, yes. Uh, but no, great that was movie. actually just from the Boss Baby, which was a great movie. Great, I don't know if you've seen it yet. Now, Kevin Spacey was in Glengarry Glen Ross. Do we have to take that out of the podcast? We do now, yeah. And it's just a matter of time, I'm sure, before Alex stuff comes out. Finally, the number one song in America. When REM's Automatic for the People came out, was... It's my cue. This is your cue. Right, here it comes. This one. Hi, you guys want some cookies? It was not that one, but it's been a while. It's been a while. Good to see you, Chris. It still works. Always welcome in the garage, Chris. (laughs) End of the road. Boys to men. What this was October of ninety two? Yeah, this was number one for like the entire fall. Yeah, they used to have songs like that that would just be massive hits that didn't go away for months. Yeah, and you said you weren't into music in ninety two. I was kind of into music, but I was into this kind of music. I was into like whatever was on Z one hundred at the time. Yeah, yeah, yes, as was I actually. I would listen to Z one hundred. I remember being way into the Technotronic song. Yep. Um, so that date takes that was us back a big to ninety two. Yep. Um, but I didn't like have artists that were right. my favorites and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, is this one of their good ones? It's pretty good. Go. I always like the guy with the cane. I always like the one who kind of looked like Sean Kemp. Oh, yeah. He could probably do Was it Sean Kemp? Sean Kemp was very busy playing basketball and uh, reproducing. Reproducing, during yeah. The early I guess 90s. he wouldn't have time to oh, also be in a big band. All right, so there you go. That All those Boys to Men songs remind me of dances yeah middle school slow dances and i never you know i never knew how to talk to girls when i was younger especially in that early 90s to mid 90s forget about it so like that was just when i hear these songs they kind of almost make me have some anxiety because it was very stressful when the slow songs came on Mm -hmm. for everyone involved uh but especially if you didn't have a girlfriend and you but you had you know teenage hormones going nuts yep that's what boys to men is for me little spoiler alert here if you haven't seen the new season of stranger things yet 
barely a spoiler. I'm gonna try not to spoil anything, but the scene where they were at the dance. Yeah. I feel like perfectly that was like yes. what those dances were. It was like that awkward standing a few feet away, holding the waist or the shoulders of the person you were dancing with, walking around, like trying to build up the courage to go up to certain girls. Like that that was middle school dances. That's so true. And I'm talking about when I go to when I go to middle school dances now, that's what it's like for me. Hmm. Everybody's okay, we're so, gonna have to scrub this from the everybody's show. Everybody's so weird about it. Rock and roll. Nobody, Nobody tells you where to go, baby. What if I ride? What if you walk? What if you rock around the clock? Tick. Top. Tick. I'm waiting for you to bring us in. Top. I feel like we're going to listen to this whole song. Uh, I could listen to this whole song. Me too. Uh, this is Drive, the opening track of Automatic for the People, REM's, to me, masterpiece. They've had they had other albums. If you're like an old school REM fan, um, you'll point to some of their 80s output as probably their greatest work. Uh, I always thought, and I like their 80s stuff, but this album in particular, I think, is one of the perfect albums of the 90s, top to bottom. And Drive is a great way to get into things. Beautiful. Yeah, I don't think I'm a, I'm not an REM expert. I do like their 80s stuff, but I don't think I could point to an album and say, this is a better album than Automatic for the People. And there probably is, and real REM fans who are like seven years older than us will come down hard and be like, what are you talking about? It's obviously eponymous or whatever that was. <laughs> that, that was the greatest hits record. Uh, but I feel like for me... I found this album later also, and it was just such like an Dude, amazing... Dude, it was Murmur! Movie. It was obviously Murmur. Reckoning! <laughs> no, a lot of people said Fables of the yes. Reconstruction. Uh, those type of albums. Yeah, which I'm sure are all incredible albums, and I've never given them their due from beginning to end. I've listened to Greatest Hits, or I've like, you know, ran through them here and there. But this album was like a big part of my life in the 90s. Yeah, uh, when were you into it? Because we definitely both um, like R.E.M., but I don't recall us ever like really nerding out together at R.E.M. Did you find this album kind of when it came out? No, definitely not when it came yeah. out. You know, the, the hits that were on Z100, the Everybody Hurts and the other ones that are going to come right. out for sure. But as far as like getting into R.E.M., it definitely happened, I would say, after New Adventures in Hi-Fi, which we were listening to before the podcast started. Right, we're the only people in America that are even aware that that album's out. It's true. Exists. It's true. It's like this really good, like, peak R.E.M. album that was released 21 years ago, and no one knows it exists. Why is that? Well, we'll save it for the New Adventures in Hi-Fi podcast. I don't know if we'll ever get to that, but (laughs) I think, yeah, for for whatever reason, when when their star uh, fell in terms of being, like, a popular act here, they just kind of dropped off the face of the earth, which kind of sucks but um this album is always going to be my favorite um just because i don't think there's really like there's maybe maybe a, a, a mf or maybe one mf on this album mm-hmm. uh um, album filler maybe two maybe but the high points are so high 
And oh my God, like track two. Let's listen to this. This one is, I don't think this was a single, but to me, it's like a perfect REM song. Try not to breathe, I can hold my head still with my hands and my knees. These eyes are the eyes of the old. We were talking about um, the County Crows before. Like I hear this and now I think of Omaha. And I'm sure R.E.M. was a huge uh, influence on Duritz. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It, it's just right up his alley. By the way, Drive, the first song, was the first single on the album. Really? It's kind of surprising. So moody. Well, I guess when you've had as many hits as they had uh, at this point, they can get weird with their first single. Yeah, and you also have to kind of put it in context of where they were in their career. The previous album was the album that really broke them in the mainstream. It it was um, Out of Time, and it had Losing My Religion on it, Mm -hmm. and uh, more regrettably, Shiny Happy People, Mm -hmm. which was another hit. But Losing My Religion was one of the biggest hits of the 90s. So they could kind of call their own... <clears throat> they could kind of call their shots for this album. So putting out a moody song like Drive, they put out six singles on the song. Out of what, 13 tracks? That's I believe there's 12 tracks. You're right, 12 tracks. Um, so half thanks, the album is released for, in the Thanks song. for showing me up there. Well, you know. I, I said I believe. To. I believe 13. Bro. I'm sorry. Bobby. Um, anyway, so this is a great song. I love this song. What do you think? Love this song. This is just an album from beginning to end. Like everything fits with each other, and every song, like you were saying, I, there's not a lot of filler. And there's definitely a, um, and as the album goes along, that will become more and more apparent. But it's like an album obsessed with death, so it kind of has like a whole melancholy hanging over it, which is works so nicely for him. I just, and I love Stipe. Like Stipe to me, Michael Stipe is. Um, maybe the best, the best voice of the '90s for me. Like my favorite voice. Is, really, that's I, an interesting statement. Yeah, like I love Michael Stipe's voice. It's. I guess I've never even intro. thought about his voice. It's just like a voice that's been around our whole life. So it's like that's the voice of REM. But I've never thought of it like, is it a good voice? I mean, I just think he's like super. The way he, how emotive he is, and like he just, you can kind of feel feel it when he sings. Yeah. Love me some stipe. God, I just got really fuck. I just realized I'm really nervous about this episode. Why? Because like, if you're like, I feel like REM is like the one of the biggest music nerd followings, mm. and like a bunch of dudes who are like 46 are gonna be listening to this, and just being That's like, ugh, they're wrong. Like I'm nervous that we're gonna piss off a bunch of uncles. It is funny because I, to that point, um, don't worry about uncles. We're all pussies. You know, <laughs> uh, we got too much. See, you have too much to lose once you become an uncle. Right. Not so much like I'm referring to the uncles that have children themselves and wives and jobs that they need to go to to keep the house payments coming. Uh-huh. Uh, the uncles to keep an eye out for are the ones like, oh, that's my uncle Richie. Uh, and that's the sister's brother. Yeah. And he has and he can't hold down a job and he has a gambling problem. And he, he's been into like 45 bar brawls. Those are the uncle. I don't. What am I talking about? Those are the uncles <laughs> know, that you should fear. Um, I don't think those uncles. All right, I'm bringing it home. Bring it around. Yeah. Those, you know, the bad uncles I'm talking about. They're like loose cannons. Like yeah, every yeah. family has like the uncles that are like, 
yeah, that guy never got his shit together and he's yeah. a fucking mess. Those type of uncles don't listen to REM. Okay. So the uncles that are going to be disappointed in this podcast are of no threat to us physically in terms of malice. I like that you thought I was thinking physically. <laughs> like these guys are going to find us and beat us up. Well, what for... are they going to do? Like blog about it on WordPress? Yes, that's oh, what those people do now. <laughs> If anybody wrote a blog about our podcast, that would be amazing. That is true. That would be the, the tree falling in the forest and someone would be like, whoa, look at that thing. All right. So everybody <laughs> share this with that one uncle who was like pretty cool in 1987 and has kind of like let you know that over the years and kind of reminds you about how cool he was yeah. back then. Like he still smokes cloves when nobody's around like that uncle. Tell him that a bunch, a couple of dudes listen to Automatic for the People. And it's funny that you bring up the the older kind of sophisticated like a little too cool for school rem fan because i have actually um a uh, interview with one of those fans do you know where this is going i know exactly where this is going but i'm still excited about it <laughs> hi you guys want some cookies katan's <laughs> back in the garage and life is good Sidewinder Sleeps the Night, which I'm going to call it the most essential of R.E.M. songs, but the reason I like it is because I think it achieves what like shiny happy people did not, which is kind of like a kind of a fun song with a little peppy beat without being overly like cloying and cheesy. Yeah, no, I agree. And I like I don't remember geeking out about R.E.M. with you. But I do remember this song. I remember this being a song that me and you listened to and we both talked about and we liked a lot back in the day. This song is a good, like, pick-me-up-if-you're-in-a-bad-mood type song. Yeah, and you're right. It's not, like, corny, like, shiny, happy people, but it has that sort of bouncy element to it. It was the third single released um, off this album. I can't believe six singles. Uh, Released February 5th, 1993. I don't think it really did anything. Uh, as I recall, do you remember like this ever like making any type of dent on radio or no, MTV? I, I'm trying to picture the video right now. I can kind of see the video in my head. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it was like a huge hit, but we liked it. And that's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, it's our podcast. Go fuck yourself. Um, who are who would you say are some of the best voices, Bob, of 90s alternative? Like pure voices, pure voices. Just gonna throw that at me in the middle. You of You want to think on it? I do want to think on back it. To it. Yeah, I'll come back with. I'll come back with a couple. Good. Don't say Ben Queller. Ben Queller was early two thousands, so you're safe. Okay. However, Ben Folds was the nineties. Uh, he's got a fine voice. I want to get on. You no, he's now. got a great voice. Um, I'm not gonna say he's the he's the one I would go with. All right. Well, you got to think about this. A lot of pressure. on A lot you. of pressure on me. I'm trying to think who else would be like a Ed Qualcheck of live, obviously. Well, obviously we have we can't include him. Um, I mean, I, I I would I think Eddie Vedder. Edder, Eddie Vedder, voice. absolutely. Cobain, Chris Cornell. Um, yeah, I feel like Chris Cornell is the correct answer. 
The Chumbawamba guy. The Chumbawambas. Anybody from Tripping Daisy. You know who had a great voice for the, 90s music? The, Gwen Stefani. Yeah. When I think... Well, I mean, now you're just opening it up to like Fiona Apple. What do you mean opening it up? Just because I mentioned a woman? Yeah, you're talking... Oh, so for you, the door was closed. It was. So when I opened it up... Yeah. Bob, you're going to have to scrub this from the show, too. <laughs> no, I think I'm going to leave it in to show how progressive you are, that <laughs> you're you're just beyond. I guess Fiona Apple, too. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, Alanis. We're doing that Alanis pod soon, Bob. We're going to do it, and I can't wait. <laughs> Should I get my friend who dated her? Ooh. Oh, we heard some stories. Yeah, do you think I can... Do you think I should... I can do that. I feel like we would be roped into a civil suit. Yeah, you're probably right. If that happened. Right, but we'll stay away from that. The good news is that we get to treasure those stories. Yeah, you could uh, DM us and we'll tell you things. Maybe if we, <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, maybe if we gain enough of a following on this podcast and we do like a live show, mm. we'll do one of those things. A show with the band live? <laughs> yes, they obviously would be the house <laughs> band. Uh, they'll be available. But do the, one of those things where like everyone has to check their phones at the door. Uh, and it's just a very intimate, casual setting. And then we'll, in detail, break down all the great Alanis dirt we got. Love it. Let's do it. Let's set that up. Headgum, make it happen. Not the kind of song that you go into after that sort of moment, but it's perfect. Well, what can you do? It's this album. Uh, yes, this is one of the most famous R.E.M. songs. Let's listen. Days long in the night, the night is yours alone. Are you sure you've had enough? This This is a, this is a really sad song. God damn it! This it's is the sad saddest. Song. Is it the most sad? Is it the saddest song of the nineties? Yeah. Is that what ultimately why no one ever says it's their favorite song from REM? Because it is really a, a beautiful song, but it's almost like cliche sad song now. So it kind of got lumped into the sad song Hall of Fame, which eliminates right. it on some level it kind of became like what schindler's list is as a reference at the time where it was like it's so sad and it's so what it is that it just is what it is i don't i i don't think i'm making sense it is quintessentially sad right and if you wanted to reference something sad it's shorthand sad shorthand sad yeah. and fuck like I, I do they even play this on the radio anymore like they're not playing schindler's list on tbs very funny um, or any other, or any other stage. I'll let you handle all Schindler's List bits. Just <laughs> yeah, to you be should. Safe. It's definitely safer. Yeah. Um, that was a little anti-Semitic, though. What? What I said? Yeah, a little bit. Why? Well, you know, because because I'm a Jew. Yeah. Call me a Jew. Uh, <laughs> half Jew. Um, I don't even know what's happening anymore. <laughs> no, but you were on something. Man. I was onto something. But do they even play this on the radio anymore? I don't or, know. Or has it become too cliche for sad? That you're not going to. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I know what you're saying. Like, I think if a radio station wants to play some old school REM, even though this is arguably 
probably the second most famous REM song. It will probably not be the one that a, a programmer is going to... We're just talking out of our asses, but it isn't no, a song that right. has like a any type of footprint in modern radio, I don't think. Like, I think if you're Cardi B or Bryce Harper, you'd be shocked to know how popular the song was because there's nothing like this on the radio today. But also, would they know the song? That's a good question. I, think I don't it, know. It pops up in pop culture uh, occasionally. Like, for instance, not that Cardi B or Bryce Harper would have watched this movie, but since we have young children... In Zootopia, which is an excellent Disney animated feature from a couple of years ago, check it out. Uh, Zootopia, rated G. No, uh, uh, this at is one, the worst podcast. At one point, about Boss Baby and Zootopia. At one point, it's a bad podcast. <laughs> Not even a show; it's just a bad. podcast. No, that's what I meant. Yeah, I didn't mean yeah. an episode. Um, no, when they she's in a bad mood, the little bunny, the alarm clock, you know, turns on. And it's this song. <laughs> So it's a bit. It's okay, like, it's still a bit. Yeah. That's obviously a bit for us with our kids. But it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. Here, Remember the video? Like, the video where they all get out of their cars? Awesome. Let's listen to how powerful this is. Well, wrong part. But wrong part. the video is... <coughs> sorry. The it's video like a better great. version of the first scene of La La Land, where everybody gets out of their cars and starts, you know, walking away sad. Did you say inverted version? Better version. Oh, I was gonna. It is kind of inverted. Oh, here's the powerful part. I liked inverted in the sense that in La La Land it's just like a super happy scene. Yeah. But it, in this, it's about everybody like wants to die, and then at the end, everybody like says, "I'm not going to take it anymore," and they all get out of their cars. Yeah, and, hold on. It's great. Fucking great. Wait, that is. One of the best videos of the 90s, by the way. Yes. Agreed. How about some of the best voices of the 90s, Bob? Working on it. All right. Working on it. Got my notebook out. I'm just jotting down some names, crossing some things off. You have some time, too, now to ruminate, Bob, because um, after Everybody Hurts, a true powerhouse in the R.A.M. catalog, we have New Orleans Instrumental Number 1, which is a um, two-and-a-half-minute instrumental makes sense and here's why they don't kids today they don't listen to albums anymore oh boy they only get their iTunes for 99 cents it's 129 now and they don't <laughs> ever know what it's like to listen to an album from side A to side B <laughs> well we don't really know that either but <laughs> but no this is a album so yes uh, this is not a mid-album filler. This is a perfect little accompaniment roughly halfway through the album uh, where you kind of regroup and it's hammering home that feeling of yes. loss. And I, like I actually thought you were going to call this mid-album filler and I was going to tell you to go fuck yourself no, because you're right. Everything every you just said. Let's give this about 10 seconds because it, it is very pretty. You could say a lot about our podcast, about whether it's good or bad. People don't. Yeah. But the one thing you can't say is it's not unique. Because once again, there's there are literally there's nobody else in the world right now that's sitting in a garage on Tuesday night talking at length about a 25-year-old album that no one cares about anymore. 
You find me another fucking podcast <laughs> that would talk about Automatic for the People, Zootopia, and Corky Romano in the same episode. I dare you to find somebody else. <laughs> Go fuck yourself! <laughs> Maybe there's a reason nobody else is doing it. <laughs> oh, right. That's the Ah, uh, that's the thing. So anyway, that... That that segs perfectly into one of the. I'm gonna say it, Bob. I'm comfortable in my masculinity. What the fuck do I got to lose at this point? Nothing. Uh, I even brought up the Gwen Stefani thing. Beautiful so that voice. shows how I'm kind of both sides of the aisle. Okay. <laughs> Male and female aisle. Okay. Um, New Orleans instrumental number one goes perfectly into "Sweetness Falls," which is one of the prettiest songs of the '90s. Ready and to bury your father and your mother. What did you think when you lost another? I used to wonder why did you bother? Distance from one, one to the other. Listen here, my sister. Sweetness follows. Pretty is a weird word to use. It's a really cool song, and it's very lush. Can, mm-hmm. I, say, can I say that? It's like it's a dirge, like, like a funeral dirge type yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't know if the word pretty, pretty. I hits believe it's it, gorgeous. I think it just that it's just so kind of sparse, but also it's it's quiet but dark. It kind of feels like I don't know, like if you were like these things when people like die on the operating t- table and then they float above their bodies and like go to the white light yeah yeah I feel like this is the song that would be playing if that happened to me no it wouldn't be it would be uh, back then also as your body juvenile yeah as your body slowly <laughs> lifts you're just here girl you look good won't you back that ass up you a fine motherfucker won't you back that would be you I don't know if that would race me like closer to light faster or would I would jump back into my body <laughs> But I would be pretty disappointed if, like, in my narrative, juvenile played a major role. <laughs> but you can't make, you can't decide these things. No, I think that's a beautiful image that I that I ruined with that bad joke. Um, it's uh, <laughs> this yeah. does show an example of how you're dead inside. Yeah, yeah, like, no, I, I well, I came back around though, <laughs> like you did in that juvenile scene. I came back, yes. rebirth. This is a beautiful song. I, I would want to float to the light to this song. Yeah, this is um, absolute, like, I have, going back to college, it was great to have, you, had, you know, a lady back at your dorm room, or a fella, <laughs> Wait a for the gays out there. <laughs> <laughs> or for the girls out there. <laughs> There's no women listening to this That show. is very accurate. Um, no, for the women, yeah. And the women that are into women as well. <laughs> <laughs> You have, guys, you have to do this nowadays. It's 2017. <laughs> we have to make sure we're not offending anybody and all bases are covered. Uh, yes. Um, anyway, starting in college would make the slowdown mix on my real jukebox player. Uh, this was on your fuck mix? Yeah, like this is like... Mm-hmm. You were not fucking to Sweetness Follows. No, this would be like post-coitus laying in bed together. <laughs> so the second song? That means yes. I, yeah, yeah I, okay. I come quickly. You came quickly. Yeah, got, me. got me again, Bob. Got you again. Um, I'm killing it. 
yeah, no, this wouldn't be my bang music. This wouldn't be on the bang mix. What's the bang story? You have a great story about our friend, um, name redacted. Yes, name redacted. We uh, we knew two girls that he slept with, and he used the same sex mix on both of them, and they both they were together uh, talking about this, and they bonded over the fact that. Uh, the song My Doorbell by the White Stripes was on the sex mix, which is the not the worst song ever to have in a sex mix, but one of the worst songs ever to have in a sex mix. Very rarely do we break into an album, but just like imagine fucking to this. I'm thinking about my doorbell. When you gonna ring it? When you gonna ring it? I'm thinking about my doorbell. When you gonna ring it? When you gonna ring it? What? I guess, like, uh, the hips. If you're doing the hips to the beat, it's not a bad, like, beat. But you what? Can't be, you can't be fucking to my door about jackrabbit, but also not even that, no, like, like... Here, I'm doing it. But the lyric, I'm thinking about your doorbell when you get to ring it, it's like, so is the doorbell the batch? <laughs> we have to have him on the pod to find out. <laughs> Would he be comfortable talking about it, you think? Uh, name redacted? Who knows? <laughs> That's one of the wildest. I, I, can't I love that it was two different girls, too. Yes. I mean, at least put the thing on shuffle. I probably, yeah. I, I say that it was really a post-coitus, like, laying down and falling asleep thing. But now that I think about it, the chances are I probably had sex as sweet as follows, too. Well, we're also old enough, uh, old enough to remember making sex mix CDs and not mixes on a, you know, Apple playlist. We yeah. would have to burn a CD, pop it in for a sex mix. Yeah, I remember my um, friend, name redacted, but coincidentally the same name as the other name redacted. <laughs> Very common name, common name redacted. Yes, common name redacted. His girlfriend, now wife, um, uh, we all went to the same school together in Boston, Northeastern, and she she knew that I liked music and knew be- music better than her boyfriend who doesn't know music at all and she didn't know music too well so she was like can you make me a sex mix uh for me and common name redacted and i did hesitate and i think i did ask name redacted are you okay with this and he signed off on it so i made them a fuck mix so when they fuck it's wow you're like yeah you're like barry white like they're fucking to you essentially i was the soundtrack of their um fuck fest Congratulations, man. That's the type of dude I am. This is um, one of the first, one of the two songs I could you could make the argument uh, is mid-album filler. Mati got a raw deal. Yeah, I don't really remember this. Wow. Yeah, let's listen to it for a couple seconds. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. It's all right. It's okay. But it is, I I wouldn't say it was essential. R.E.M. I never met um, Michael Stipe, but I did. I said one of the dorkiest things I've ever said to anyone. When I met at the first Super Bowl I ever covered in Indianapolis, uh, we're doing this podcast on the day that Eli Manning uh, got benched uh, by the New York Giants for good. Uh, and this, which is crazy. I can't even, I'm not, ready, I'm not ready to talk about that. It's all right, Bob. Hang in there. Um, you got two rings. 
It's just weird. Not well, not handled well by the Jets. Not handled well at all. They handle it the way the Jets might handle something like that. Right. But anyway, um, that was the first Super Bowl I covered. It was seven years ago, and it was also the last Giants Super Bowl with Eli. Um, so the night before the game, everyone was at the CW um, Marriott in downtown Indianapolis. And then sitting at the bar was Mike Mills, who was the bass player of R.E.M. and also the famous for his backing vocals. Like, hang on. Sorry, I'm dying. Famous for his backing vocals. He's A lot of people say he's the best or one of the best backing vocalists in rock history. I'm making a list of that, too, while I'm simultaneously doing my best vocals. Yeah, so, very good. So... Uh, after like seven or eight drinks before we went left from the NFL hotel to go to some party or something, um, I got up the courage to, I wanted to say hi to Mike Mills and pay my respects to one of my favorite artists. Yeah. So I said, uh, and Mike Mills was in conversation with some other person. Uh, <clears throat> I think he was in town, by the way, because there was a John Mellencamp was throwing some type of Super Bowl soiree with the Colts owner. So I think Mike Mills was playing. So. I said, hey, Mike, uh, Dan, huge fan of R.E.M. I just want you to know that you were one of the great backing vocalists of all time. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was nice about it. I remember walking away and I'm like, what a fucking dickhead I am. <laughs> the fuck says something like that? That's a weird thing to say. It's a compliment. Like it was a, a very specific compliment to pay somebody that's not the lead singer of the band. So there's a chance that he appreciated it, but it was also something where he could easily turn back to his beer and just rolled his eyes and been like, I get that fucking bullshit all the time. Or he just like doesn't get it all the time and he was thinking about it hours later. Like if this guy was coming up to me, why would he say that? Like, why wouldn't he talk about the great music I made? And you know, why was he specifically talking about just being a backup? Just be happy, Mike Mills, that somebody knows. Well, don't turn on him. This is all hypothetical. Fuck yourself, Mike. Whoa, uh, this whoa. Is, this is Ignoreland. Uh, I would also say this uh, could be labeled mid-album filler. So a little one-two punch of middle-of-the-road rock, I think. Your thoughts, Bob? Yeah, I don't have any thoughts. I wanted to talk more about Mike Mills. What? So I randomly stumbled upon this like Mike Mills, I guess not side project. Maybe it's a side project. Thing that he does called the Baseball Project. Have you ever heard about this? No. He has put out like multiple albums with a bunch of other kind of REM-ish musicians uh, all about baseball. Every song is about baseball. Really? And it's like rock music, but it's like kind of folksy rock music. But I'm looking at the track listing for their first album. Uh, they have a song called Ted Fucking Williams, a song called uh, Fernando, all about Fernando time. Uh the Yankee Flipper. It's all about uh, when Blackjack McDowell gave the uh, middle finger. That got a song. A whole song about it. Three minute and 40 second song. Hmm. So the baseball project, Mike Mills. I can't remember off the top of my head who else is in the band, but you have to uh, to give them a listen. That sounds inessential. It's completely inessential. But you know what? Great backing vocals. <laughs> I would hope maybe he got lead box at least. For I don't know. Project. He did. I can't tell you he did. Um, okay, so uh, we're now up to track nine, and it is called Star Me Kitten. And I like this song because it's low-key, 
But what it does, Bob, and this is vital, it kind of brings you out of that <clears throat> mid-tempo rock little slump they fall into on this album. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, it feels like it's building up towards something. And then the album closes 10, 11, 12 to me, and I'll put it up against any album in this decade, closes harder with better music than any other album in the 90s. And we're going to get to it, but Star Me Kitten's like the little warm-up, like stretching out, limbering up. Yeah. I remember listening to this. I remember the song. It's there. Not, uh, but kind of like the instrumental. Not mid-album filler, but not like an essential R.E.M. song. Just kind of like part of an album. Yeah. Like I could picture this song playing when you come out of your body, and then you start drifting down to hell. This is, oh, well, all right. I got a few things to unpack here. It would be a pleasant ride to hell with this song on. Yeah, I think it would be be a little bit like not even screaming in agony. That would come a little bit later. Like, like, oh, this is... I'm a little... And just to, to be clear to our listeners, you're implying I'm going to hell because I'm Jewish. <laughs> no, I didn't say that, Bob. I, I know, it was implied. I don't judge by religion. I think more the actions of a man. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you're going to heaven? You killed a prostitute. And you're... Yeah, but I mean, you helped. Well, I buried the prostitute. Yeah, so but I think we're shot her. Shot her. That's such a <laughs> violent. That's... Well, what would you do if you had to do it? Kill a prostitute? Yeah. Well, how would you do it? I wouldn't have a gun. Bob's like, I'd use my bare hands so you... I could watch her die. Look, when you kill a prostitute, you don't use a gun. I'm just gonna say. Really? Yes. This. See, no one's ever talked about this either. <laughs> Not in the same podcast as a Zootopia plot point. Uh, summary. <laughs> um, just the listeners note: we have never murdered a, a streetwalker, male or female. Of course, of course. We don't discriminate. Or female. Is that no? Uh, no, don't think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really weird aside. Now we get into the final three songs, starting with one of the most beloved REM tracks. Why track 10, Mikey Snipe? That is crazy. Do you think they just, there's, they had no idea that this was going to be as big as it is, was, is? I think it's certainly possible. I mean, but it was a single and it was really catchy as hell. Would the song be as big as it is today, if not for the movie? Yes, I think it was independent of that. I think it was like a, <clears throat> it's still played on the radio all the time. The movie's kind of lost to time a little bit, although that documentary on Netflix I really want to watch. Yeah, I want to see that too. It looks amazing. But no, I think the movie gave the second life. Like the song was a hit or like a modest hit at the time. Definitely not bigger than Everybody Hurts. Yeah. But then the movie came out, Man on the Moon. They put the video out again. It was like a whole true. other thing. I feel like it gave it a whole second thing that catapulted it into 2000. 17. All right, it's still let's there. To it. Now, Andy, did you hear about this one? Tell me, are you locked in the pond? Andy, are you goofing on Elvis, too? Are we losing touch? If you believe they put a man on the moon, man on the moon. This is quintessential REM from like the. 
the way it sounds musically to the voice to just the delivery of it all. Like if you had to like bottle up one REM song and say this is what REM was, I would probably pick this up. All right, so using that logic, we put one song from every album onto our amazing Spotify playlist, which means we're going to have to pick one song from Automatic for the People. You're saying this is the put put into a bottle REM song. Does it make it onto a playlist? You don't have to say it now, but it's something to think about. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Uh, yeah, two separate conversations. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, by the way, the movie, if people, we didn't make it explicitly clear man on the moon the andy kaufman biopic starring jim carrey don't, don't hold their hand let them figure it the fuck out they can do it no just being a nice all right, guy all right fine should we left them in the cold i, I feel like they could have connected the dots but you know uh <laughs> got some real dim bulbs out there i guess <laughs> dim bulbs a dim bulb breath in 2017 um all right bob any, any more great voices of the 90s by the way gwen stefani can't do that. It's cheating. Lauren Hill. All right, I'll give you Lauren Hill for sure, Bob. But now but, you, you know, you know. It's but just... only, only on the Sister Act two soundtrack. Oh, okay, yes. I just you're overcompensating a little bit now. <laughs> uh, Chris Cornell again. All right, we're missing somebody really big. Justin Timberlake. JT. Hmm. Uh, all right, Man on the Moon. I want to actually, before we do that, this, I like to check in on the... Glenn Danzig? On the old <laughs> charts. What? Are you just making up people now? Glenn Danzig. Yeah, I know Danzig. Was Danzig, mother, yeah, tell me not voice. to walk out away. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you don't care. Yeah. What are you looking up right now? I just want to see how well the song, the song did. Uh, number 30 on the U.S. Billboard charts. Number two on the modern rock charts, number four on the mainstream rock charts, and it was uh, top 20 in the UK and in Ireland. And number four in Canada. I think the Canadians have a pretty good um, palette for things. Like things that chart, like I would think the song is good enough to. Specifically music? Yes. Okay. Okay. Specifically music. Why? Do you have a. You want to take a Canada shot? No, I know you have an ex-girlfriend from Canada that did not end well. Did not end well. Don't really want to get into Canada. We'll save Canada for our Biff Naked podcast. There's another voice. <laughs> we'll, Siv. We'll, we'll get deep into Canada when we cover Bare Naked Ladies stunt. We've gotten some of those as well. <laughs> Just, I, would, I would totally do a Bare Naked Ladies episode. I don't think you would, but I would. Which one? Uh, stunt or rock? No, rock spectacle. So if I had some million dollars. Well, that was Rock Spectacle was a live out. We'll, we'll get into it on the Rock Spectacle podcast. But. I feel like hell is probably uh, if I had a million dollars and what would you say? <laughs> Just playing on a loop over and over again, back to back. You're half right about that. <laughs> if I had, didn't they throw like macaroni and cheese on the stage? During that song? Yeah, that was like a thing. What's wrong with white people? See, white people. Specifically Canadians. Specifically, what spe- about- more specifically, my ex-girlfriend in Canada. <laughs> she was into? Not nah, probably. They all were. All right. So this is Night Swimming. Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite R.E.M. songs. And if I was calling Sweetness Follows Gorgeous, well, that you might as well take that one out to the garbage dump. Take it. Pour some kerosene on it and light a match because it's filthy and disgusting. 
compared with a strange way to, to try to make this song uh, stand up better. Uh, yeah, this song didn't need that. Beautiful song. It doesn't need it. It's a beautiful song. It stands on its own. All right, let's listen to it. Still it's so much clearer. I forgot my shirt at the water's edge. The moon is low tonight. So this was actually a single too, Bob, if you believe that. Well, I knew there was a video. I've seen the video, but it's hard to believe that this was ever on the radio. Uh, it is... Lyrics uh, by Michael Stipe. Music by our boy Mike Mills on piano. Uh, It is a ballad um, according to the site Wikipedia. uh, Stipe sings about a group of friends who go skinny dipping at night, which draws from similar experiences in the band's early days. And the weird thing about this song for me is that it does... um, I got this CD... Um, for our friend uh, Sam um, Samantha so a woman right well it's up to her it's really up to her it's totally up to her anyway I got it for her as a birthday present and I guess it was 1995 or something Uh, and we were listening to it it was like before before her birthday party I think you probably came over to the their her house where she was having a birthday party yeah I would have gotten an invite yeah and um we, list, we were listening to this album before, and this song came on, and we were just like immediately like, wait, this song is amazing. So, and then I remember like going on a walk, and it was like early November. You could smell the people making the fires, and this song like always takes me back to that exact moment. Beautiful song. It's a great place to be. And the song, the reason why it's so cool is that like, it's so simple. That's what he was writing about. Like, yeah. Like remembering like the uh, innocence, you're, uh, you know, being youth, being young and that slipping away, but having the memory. And this song takes me back to a specific memory from when I was young. It's a beautiful song. And then he got an oboe, Bob. Oboe alert. There's one thing about the throwback pod. We always stop down for an oboe. Also, Bob, the string arrangement by Led Zeppelin bassist John Paul Jones. So do not say that we'd never talk about Led Zeppelin on this podcast. We just did. It just just happened. Good job, JPJ. I was going to say, I've, you know, listening, maybe it's just listening and paying more attention to the album or listening with my amazing headphones right now. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I've ever noticed how many strings are throughout the album, like how orchestral it is. Yeah, it's very rich. It's a very rich kind of dense album, but... There's only one oboe. <laughs> Deborah only... Workman with the oboe, Bob, on this one. <laughs> and you just know that. Yeah, not, I just know it. You're not looking at Wikipedia. I actually wrote the Wikipedia page. Wow. And did all the research. You know Deborah. Thank you, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> just one of the guys' reference that exactly one person might get. I'm the only one who got that reference. Okay. Our friend Brian Zimmerman might have got that one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Putting a lot of pressure on him, though. I hope you got that, Brian. All right. Takes us to the final track. Uh, see, Night Swim is so special, we played the whole fucking thing. And now here we are, <laughs> track 12. Uh, it is Find the River. And Bob, I know for a fact that you adore this song as I do. Correct? Love this song. All right, let's listen to it a little bit. 
no speedy hell. The read on the speed matter says you have to go to task in the city where people drown and people serve. Don't be shy, you just deserve only just light years to go. It's part right here. Mm. Me, my thoughts are flowers strewn. Ocean storm may bury me. I have got to leave to find my way. I mean, listen to his voice, Bob. It's so emotive and so expressive. Uh, it's just like a really. I mean, it, like his voice like, is like almost nostalgic. This is one of my favorite REM songs, one of my favorite songs on the album. I have a very specific memory, not nearly as sort of beautiful as, you know, the, the f- smell of newly lit fires walking with friends in your youth. But I remember sitting in my room having to write a paper for some class that I had procrastinated. I had waited until the last minute to do it. It was like two hours worth of work. And I put this album on. And when I got to find the river, I put it on repeat. Just the I've one song. And I listened to this one song on repeat. And, you know, I was concentrating on what I was writing, and what I was doing. This song was on repeat in my room for about an hour and a half. And <laughs> it, it just, I, I didn't want to listen to anything else. It was just like on repeat the entire time. Like this, like, I've done that with other songs too, where it's just when you're working and just, oh, this one's working. So you just keep yeah. repeating it. This song makes me like think a memory I'd never had of like, I'm fly fishing with, um, Brad Pitt's character from A River Runs Through It. And then we have like a really nice lunch. <laughs> where do you, uh, where do you go for lunch? Boxes, a, bag, a box together. And nothing gay happens, but it's just like, it's a really nice day. I mean, everything about what you just said is gay, so it's fine. It's like right after Labor Day weekend. It's like the weekend after Labor Day weekend, but it's kind of like an Indian summer thing. So it's a really nice, warm uh, sun-drenched day going. In, right. the, in the wilderness. And when you woke up that morning, you're like, can I wear white pants? Uh, I don't know. It's after, but it's close enough. Um, I just I just imagine sort of like hiking through woods and, you know, fields looking for that fucking river. It is, but it is a very, like, crunchy album. It's like, it makes you want to, like, be one with the earth when you listen to Automatic for the People. <laughs> it kind of does. Uh, very water-heavy at the end with Night Swimming and Find the River. Good point. And like the it's a song about an album about death and and mourning and things like that, which what happens when you die, Bob? Become worm feed, baby. You become part of the earth once more. Mm. Did we hit it? Did we nail it? I think we might have. All right. There you go. There's automatic for the people, Bob. Um, That was fun. uh, Our um, great uh, discussion about R.E.M. And we brought R.E.M. up before that for some reason their legacy um, they, they're not kind of treated or spoken of in the same like hushed tones as other uh, beloved acts of their time period. But that doesn't mean that it should be that way. Right. I mean, they were just because they were like toe to toe with you two throughout the 80s is like who's like the more better, important, more important right. alt rock band. And then they just sort of became inessential for whatever reason. Not but because, it's because they not even because their music got so bad. It just sort of they just kind of fell off. The, and they also made they, the amazing thing they did they were they were this hugely important um, band in the eighties to to people that fancied themselves like serious music fans so they 
they catered to a certain type of music fan and then they signed to a major label major label and then crossed over the 90s like you two survived the 80s into the 90s very few bands could do that and we're bigger than ever so you think that would stamp like rubber stamp them to be playing stadiums and silving around well they broke up by their own choice but uh, I'm going maybe just even our little way we're helping but to remind people to revisit REM's catalog because to me they're probably my like third or maybe third favorite band of all time and uh they should not be forgotten. Yeah, put together 15 REM songs like 15 of their best songs and put that up against almost anybody. Absolutely. So there you go. That is uh, uh it is our podcast. We need to now choose Bob um what should be on the throwback pod playlist which you could find on spotify you could also find it on apple music if you're into that um so let's let's decide bob i think i know what we should do i'm gonna let you decide because you know we right off the bat you said very personal album to you right i want you to make this pick if you're wrong i'll tell you but go for it i think bob i don't think we've done this before but i think what we're gonna do here we're just going to restart Find the River. How about that? Really? Well, you, you, you like it. You don't uh, love it. I'm very happy about this. So. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's common ground for us. I'm not some dictator, Bob. I'm, I think we're, we should find something we both love, and I know we adore this song. We do. I also I thought you were going to go with Night Swimming, which I would have been down with as well. You want to do Night Swimming? I don't No, No, I don't even need to do Night Swimming. Both of these songs are great. This Was this a single? There's no way this was a single. I believe it was the last single, actually. Really? I mean, every song's a single. <laughs> I like this being the song because if you've never heard this, this is up there with any other R.E.M. song. Yeah. All right, but good. it doesn't get the accolades. We did it. All right. All right. Go ahead, Bob. Take us home. Follow us on Twitter at ThrowbackPod. Follow us on Instagram. We have an Instagram. I think it's also ThrowbackPod. Uh, he thinks. I think. Give us five stars on iTunes. Tell your friends. Tell that uncle who still listens to R.E.M. Spread the word. Pussy. Oh, come on. He can't do nothing. No. He's got a wife and kids and a job. (laughs) Don't tell the crazy uncle. All right. We'll be back next week with God knows what. This is Bob signing off for Dan. Nice. Yeah. Good clothes, Bob. Yeah. That was a headgum podcast.